A Halloween Carol, written by Ian Smith. Chapter 1, Stave 1. Marley was dead to begin with, as dead as a doornail, that had also been stoned to death to ensure a good harvest, obviously through some town lottery. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of this story, or the harvest. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the undertaker, the overgiver, the over-under, give or take, and Marley's chief mourner, Ebenezer Ivoryzer Scrooge. Scrooge and Marley had been partners in business, each a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, for they had to be, what with their tight-fist grindstone business failing, and thus converting their warehouse into a counting house. Scrooge never painted out Marley's name. There it stood years afterwards, Scrooge and Marley, above the warehouse door, out of arm's reach. Scrooge was a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, styling, profiling, wheeling, dealing son of a gun. But he was afraid of heights, so there old Marley's name stood. Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on All Hallows' Eve Eve, or Halloween Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was cold, biting weather out Scrooge's dingy window to the courtyard. People went wheezing up and down, stomped their feet, practiced their sales pitch for the coming day. That's it. You're getting it now. But the world of disemboweled orange squash had little value to Scrooge. What Scrooge valued above all was his money, which you could count on Scrooge counting in his counting house when he wasn't accounting for his counted accounts, who counted on Scrooge's understanding and forgiveness during the holiday season, for which Scrooge was unaccounted. Please, Mr. Marley or Scrooge, if you would just give us more time to collect. We haven't got the money now. Um, Business has been awful poor as of late. And what is it that you are in the business of, Mr. Dell? At rocks. I swear it's a million dollar idea, sir. If we could just have some more time. That generation is stupid enough to spend tuppence on a pet rock, let alone millions of your doll heirs. Please, sir. With Halloween on the morrow, I haven't a shilling left. In a week's time, I can promise you nine quippence. Ah, humbug. It'll be six quippence tomorrow, which is how people say that. And not a farthing less. Now off with you before I scream. Please, Mr. Marley or Scrooge, don't do this to me. I have a wife and kids, and all my money went to buying candy this year. Okay, fine, I'm going. Gary Dahl grabs his pet rock, Lesnar, and his cowboy hat from the hat rack. All right, well, happy Halloween. Good afternoon. Do I get any candy on the way out before I put on my cowboy beard? Candy? And why should I break you off a piece of any of my bars? Well, sir, it's... Halloween season. <laughs> a poor excuse to pick a man's pocket every October the 31st. Now be gone before I scream again. I was only partaking in. <laughs> All right, I'm going. Gary stuffs his gray cowboy beard over his head. A piece of shit. Not giving me candy? Oh boy, they're right there. Muttering his dissent, too quiet for God to hear, as he passes two portly gentlemen. Pleasant to behold, who made their way into Scrooge's office before he could even say, Humbug. Ah, too slow. We're already inside. Scrooge and Marley's, I presume. One of the men said, referring to his list, Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? 
Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night. I don't believe that. Yeah, that's too coincidental. It's true. Why does this sign still have his name? It's been seven years. I'm afraid of heights. Now state your business. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Halloween is a time for giving. Out candy to those in costumes, yet so many cannot afford the trek from one doorstep to the next. We're going around Halloween Eve collecting candy for those in need so they too can interact with strangers every 45 seconds. Humbug. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons, said the gentleman, laying down his pen, but not the way you'd think. And the union workhouses, are they still in operation? They are. Though I wish I could say they were not. And the boys? Are they not back in town? They have been for quite some time. Oh, good. Uh, what were we talking about? Candy donations. What shall we put you down for? Nothing. You wish to remain anonymous? I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself at Halloween, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. You don't give out candy on Halloween? Humbug. If children wanted candy, they could go to the store and buy some for themselves. But sir, some children would rather die. If they'd rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population, running around with a happy Halloween on their lips and those small, uninviting, sticky fingers. They don't wash those, you know. We know. Even after the bathroom. Yeah, it's gross. So no candy donation, then? Ah, humbug. Scrooge's mantra sends him back to his balance sheets, their sheets balanced perfectly on his desk. Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentlemen withdraw as another figure makes their way into Scrooge's office. A merry Halloween, Uncle! God save you! cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's niece, Fredina, who came upon him so quickly that he nearly shit himself. Ah! Humbug! No, it's Fredina, your niece. You know me. I know it's you. You've known me since one of our births, Uncle. I said I know. Are you ill, Uncle? Humbug to Halloween, I meant. Halloween? A humbug? Surely you don't mean that, I'm sure. Surely I am sure. What right have you to demanding my candy? You're poor enough. What right do you have to be hoarding your candy for yourself? You're rich enough. I wish you would partake in the festivities this year. Promise you'll come over for the costume party I'm throwing. Eh, humbug. Uncle, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Humbug. Keep Halloween in your own way and let me keep it in mine. I shall take no part in the giving away of hard-earned candy. At least dine with us on the morrow and take part in the fun. Tomorrow. Oh, they'll be bobbing for apples and pin the murder on the werewolf and square dancing and all kinds of shapes. I've had jeer out my window, scheduled for almost a year now, and I can't reschedule last minute. Now, good afternoon. But, Uncle... Good afternoon. Maybe just stop by to see our hollowed orange squashes... Good afternoon! Ugh, it's ten in the morning. Fredina takes her leave, and almost a butterfinger. Don't you dare lay a finger on my butterfinger. I wasn't! Ugh! And Scrooge returns to his numbers, but only for a moment. Scrooge. 
Scrooge's heart fills with a hollow happiness as he watches the candlelight flicker dance over his candy's wrapper, nestled safely in their bowl. Ah, my candy. My delicious confections. My precious. Stave 2 At length, the hour of shutting up the counting house arrived. Shut up, counting house. Been at it all day, creaking with the wind, like that ever boosted the economy. Beg your pardon, Mr. Scrooge? All right, then, go on. Oh, please, sir, please. Just one pardon is all I ask for. Please, Mr. Scrooge. All right, all right, all right. That's enough of that unnamed clerk. Now, what is this pardon for? Well, Mr. Scrooge, seeing how the morrow's Halloween and all. To morrow. What is it with you all? I was wondering if perhaps... <sighs> You'll want the whole day tomorrow, I suppose. Just the afternoon. Around three. If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient. Scrooge mutters, extinguishing his candle with the clerk's fingers. Ow! It's not fair. I hate it, and it smells. If I were to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, would you not? A half a what? What the hell kind of money does England use? And yet, you don't think me ill-used if I pay a day's wages for no work. The clerk observed that it was only once a year. What are you doing? Huh? What are you looking at over there? Oh, I was just observing that Halloween is only once a year. That may be. But I suppose if you must have the whole afternoon, starting around three, be here all the earlier next morning. The clerk promised he would, and Scrooge walked out with a growl. I will, sir. I swear it. Swear to me! Oh, like from Batman Begins. The counting house was closed in a twinkling, its closure counted down by the accountants from accounting counting. Four, three, two, one. One and a half. That's no, not Can't go back up. The clerk, in honor of its being Halloween Eve, went down a slide on Cornhill at the end of a lane of boys, all sorts of boys, tough boys, skinny boys, boys who climb on rocks. Twenty times the adult clerk and these young boys slid down this hill together. But there's probably nothing more to look into about that. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. Stop calling it melancholy, Scrooge. It's England. That's just how the food is. You could add something to it. I add the lumps. It's something to bite so you're not just slurping brown. Having read all the newspapers and beguiled the rest of the evening with his banker's book, Scrooge went home to bed. He lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner, which was still considered gross in Scrooge's time as well. Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the front door, except that it was Eiffel Tower-shaped and lightning blue and stuck outwards with the tip at eye level, like a pointy door nipple. It is also a fact that Scrooge had seen it, night and morning, during his whole residence in that place, and always managed to dodge the point, unlike Jonathan One-Eye Watson. But as Scrooge stood before the door, having his key in the lock, saw in the knocker not an overrated symbol of the French compensating, but Marley's face. Marley's face. 
It was not in impenetrable shadow, but had a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar, which was Charles Dickens' simile, not mine. It was not angry or ferocious, but looked at Scrooge the way Marley had, with its eyes. But then, as suddenly as the phenomenon had occurred, the knocker of a somehow-finished tower, even though it's really just the frame, returned. Humbug. Scrooge lights his candle, pausing in a resolute moment of irresolution, half expecting to see Marley's pigtail sticking out into the hall. But there was nothing on the back of the door, except the screws and nuts that held the brass bust of Marley's pigtail. But that isn't the same. Humbug. Scrooge closed the door with a bang, which resounded through the house like thunder. Not all this nonsense again. Waste of a good candle. Up Scrooge ran to his bedchambers, getting only glimpses of the hall and the flashes of lightning, for which he did not care a button. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. Ow, damn it! Most of the time. My toe. This is not how weather works. Oh, I hate this house. Before retiring to his armchair by the fire, Scrooge had just enough recollection of Marley's face to warrant a search of the room to see that all was right. The closet, under the bed, the closet again. No sign of monsters or Scrooge's deceased partner. Quite satisfied, Scrooge locks himself in, changes to dry pajamas, and warms his toesies by the fireplace. The fireplace was an old one, built by some Dutch merchant of Venice long ago and paved with quaint Dutch tiles illustrating the scripture. There were Cain's and Abel's, Queens of Sheba, Abraham's, even an old man sicking two bears on forty-two children outside of Bethel for calling him bald. But as Scrooge looked over these paintings in the flickering light, he would have sworn there was a copy of old Marley's head on every one. Humbug! What sorcery is this, on the eve of such a Halloween? I shall have none of it. As Scrooge turned to face the fireplace, his glance caught an old disused bell that hung in the room, which, with great astonishment and dread as he watched, began to swing, softly in its outset that it scarcely made a sound, but soon it rang out loudly. I said I shall have none of it. I wish to ponder my candy in peace. Be gone, whatever forces be at play. A clanking, deep down below in the cellar, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain, echoed its way through the house. The cellar door flew open with a booming sound and Scrooge heard the noise much louder on the floor below, up the stairs, straight towards his door. If you're here for my candy, you can bugger off. Your holiday cheer will bequeath you nothing but coal in your stocking and lead in your face. Easy, Scrooge. These doors are pre-colonial. Scrooge's color changed when, without a pause, 
a hollow figure passed through the bedroom door and into the room before his eyes. I... uh, I know you. You're... Marley's ghost. Yes. And you, Scrooge, have been a bad, bad... What? Scrooge, are you naked? What? That's disgusting. Why are you naked? These are my pajamas. The narrator said. Those aren't pajamas. You're only wearing tube socks. I can see your balls, Scrooge. It's how I sleep. I didn't expect trespassers to come barging in during the night. Trespasser? It's my house. You're squatting. Am not. Are too? Then sue me. Marley rubbed his eyes as Scrooge looked him up and down. His face was the same. His waistcoat, tights, boots, all the same. Except quite see-through, so as if Scrooge himself were to wear them, you'd still see his balls. The Phantom's chains hugged its middle and wound about him like a long tail of cash boxes, ledgers, padlocks, hard-wrought steel. Do you have dry eye? No. I'm annoyed with you, Scrooge. You're a cheap sack of shit. But more importantly, you're giving my house a bad reputation for trick-or-treating. You're particular for the shade. This house used to be the first stop for trick-or-treaters on this street, and not just because it's at the corner. All the cobwebs and hollowed candle pumpkins and witchcrafters I set out over the years welcomed children to take candy from a stranger. But you've undone my life's work in just these seven years, Scrooge. Not a skeleton or circus performer in a single bush. No tombstones, no spiders... How will kids know to put their mouths on your yummy goodie? Oh, don't say it like that. I, I, I don't give out candy on Halloween, oh spirit. And why not? They're my yummy goodies for mouthing and sucking. And I... Uh, you see, you've got me saying it. Oh, you're right. I hear it now. Yeah, yeah, you hear it. I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah it, it felt gross to say. We'll be more careful. That was my bad. Oh, dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me so on Halloween Eve? What other holiday would you have a ghost appear? Christmas? That makes no sense. That's, uh, that's pretty true, now that you say it. But why do you trouble me so on Halloween Eve? Your greed is what brings me here tonight, Scrooge. I wear the chain I forged in life, link by link. And yard by yard, I girded it of my own free will. Metaphorically. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And now I suffer in death under its weight from my choices in life. And you too, Scrooge, have a chain that was just as heavy and just as long as this, seven Halloween eves ago. How you've labored on it since. Marley, speak comfort to me. Tell me there is some way to avoid the consequences of my actions. Surely, I have the wealth to do so. Hear me, Scrooge. My time is nearly gone. I will. Don't be hard on me, Molly. Pray. I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. Slightly. Slightly? Slightly. Shun the greed-filled path you tread. Buy Halloween decorations, set them forth in the front yard, and hand out candy to every visitor on the morrow younger than high school age. Because really, why are you in high school and still going around? Is is this all about Halloween and my candy? Yes. So not about my greed in general? No. 
And the only thing I can change is giving out candy. The, the rest of the chain stuff is, is already set. Nothing I can do. Every bit makes a difference. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't believe what a bitch this thing is to drag everywhere. Did you hear me in the cellar? Look at this shit. All the time. How dreadful. There'd be a huge dent in the floor if this wasn't a ghost chain. But for real, Scrooge, I'm worried about you. You have a big-ass chain already. Don't keep adding to it. I know you're not going to a chiropractor about that bad back. They're expensive. Okay, and your posture's trash. This is the one thing you can do, Scrooge. Just do yourself a favor. And change your ways before it's too late. Marley's fading figure glides towards the bedroom window, which raises itself with his approach as Scrooge pushes his shoulders back to straighten up. You will be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first when the bell tolls one. Scrooge, what did you do to the bell? Marley's spirit reappears in full and glides as close as his chains will let him to the disfigured bell Scrooge had smashed. It was possessed. It was part of your haunting. No, it wasn't. What was it doing? It was ringing uncontrollably. That's what it does. It's a bell. It rings and tells the time. It wouldn't stop ringing. Oh, and how many times did it ring? Eleven? Maybe. Yeah, because it's almost midnight. You stupid idiot. That's what it was for. You destroy my door, now my bell. You have no respect for anyone's stuff. I'm not even checking out that bathroom. I bet there's hair all over the place. Well, it's not my hair. Expect the first spirit when the bell would have told one. With those words, the specter floated out through the open window and into the bleak, dark night. Scrooge followed to the window, desperate in his curiosity, and looked out, his exposed balls retracting in the very cold fall breeze that carried hundreds of phantoms, wandering hither and thither in chains like Marley's ghosts. No squash faces. No signs that say boo. Are children to assume there is candy inside? He's not giving out candy. That's what I'm doing here. Who won't? The guy in the window. Oh, God, is he naked? I have socks. It's how I sleep. He says it's how he sleeps. Then sleep a different way. Why do we have to look at this? Go put some pants on. Ghosts don't like seeing this. A creeping mist consumed the streets outside Scrooge's manor before fading away as quickly as they'd come, taking with all signs of the spirits that had shamed him. Scrooge closes his window and puts on a pair of denim boxers he saved for emergencies. He examines the door by which Marley's ghost had entered to find the bolt undisturbed from when it had been locked by his own hand but signs of what appear to have been several shotgun blasts carve out a large enough hole in the door to make the deadbolt obsolete. Humbug, Scrooge said, although he found himself unable to doubt his senses. Maybe from the emotions he had undergone, or maybe from his glimpse of the invisible world, or maybe as Maybelline, but Scrooge turned without another thought and went straight back to bed, where he fell asleep upon an instant. End chapter one. 
Barbara was just a regular top neurosurgeon giving a lecture at the World Neurosurgeon Conference in Vienna. And that's why you don't poke at it. But she always wondered if she'd ever find Mr. Wright. What my lawyers didn't know was there were four more bodies DA never found. Ugh, you're not the one. Ah, fuck. Quit it. Ah. Until one day, she ran into man's best friend. Hey there, little guy. And discovered he wasn't just man's best friend, but a man himself. What's that you say? You're not really a dog, you're actually a prince? You're not really a dog, but a prince impersonator? You were a prince impersonator? And your real name was Sam? And after Prince's death, there wasn't a big demand for prince impersonators, even though you thought there might be for a nostalgia kind of thing? But that didn't happen, so you took a job at Wendy's but slipped because Kenneth didn't mop properly, and you landed weird on your back and went on disability, but that led to an alcohol addiction which killed you and reincarnated you in the body of a dog and you don't know why? And now you want to kill Kenneth? And you need my help? All right, I'm in. This summer, get ready to supersize the family fun. Welcome to Wendy's. What can I get for you? <laughs> Sam? Mop this up, Kenneth. <laughs> With a side of fries. Son of Sam 2. Daughter of Sam. In theaters everywhere, July 2006. Dr. Raymond Pants, Books on Tape on Demand, is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.